Early in my marketing career, I was facing trouble at work. I was feeling undermined by my colleagues who were predominantly white. One was, one was Spanish, one was South African, one was from village France and another one was from Cornwall. And in this environment, it became clear that there were separate rules for them and there were separate rules for me. Even though nothing was explicitly said, there was a silent code which everyone lived by. So even if my colleagues were all smiles, there was always a sense of nigger, stay in your place. Particular incidences would occur where I would literally feel like I wanted to punch someone in the face, but I was dissuaded by the scary truth that my livelihood was tied up in the monthly wage they deposited into my account each month. And if that was in any way jeopardised, then I'd be in a very sticky predicament. I, dis I discussed this with my mentor, Robin Walker, who runs an African history program I attend. And I went on to disclose how I felt emasculated and that I felt compromised as I hadn't summoned up the courage to match their silent attacks with a more physical one. Upon hearing this, he said something I'll never forget. He said, in the world of racism and white dominance, as a black man, the game by default is already built against you. So to fight against it is a game you'll never win. Your job is to become economically self-sufficient to where you're no longer economically dependent on the plantation. Because otherwise, they'll always have their way with you. This is a great job in alleviating my frustrations, but opened me up to other people in my community, battling against the same invisible forces, internalising the trauma instead of feeling it was something they could overcome. The question, what is racism and how does it operate? The chances are, is that we both experienced it knowingly and unknowingly. But be as that may, my definition of racism and your definition of racism will most likely be on two different roads. Let me explain. Whereas most likely see it as white people slinging the n-word or witnessing the odd case of police brutality against our black boys, I see racism as a system. Something which far exceeds the parameters of language and police department, but instead infiltrates every fabric of our society. From entertainment down to education, we can't escape its presence. Racism is a system which is geared to the preservation and advancement of white dominance. And whilst this system is one which impacts all races across the board, we, my black brethren, are its biggest target. For those put off by politics and issues on the surface not directly tied to the dollar, then you, my friend, are in for a very big surprise. Because your economics i.e. the money in your pockets, cannot be any more connected to the issue of politics, where in some respects, it can be regarded that the two are one and the same. Reason being is that economics isn't an island. It doesn't operate within a vacuum. Instead, it's something which is interdependent and is heavy on the pillars of both political and social forces. For instance, let's talk about the prison industrial complex. We tend to talk about how the number of black people in prison is disproportionate to their number in the general population. Is this because we commit more crimes than other race groups? No. Is it because the severity of crimes are just that much more horrendous? Again, also no. Or is it because the crimes committed across the race groups are judged differently? Hmm, now we might be onto something. To use a popular discrepancy, Crack cocaine, which is a drug commonly associated with black people in the ghetto, is sentenced 10 times more severely than cocaine, a drug attributed to the white upper middle class. Now, the above is an example of a political and social dilemma which instantly harks back to our economics. You see, statistics show that between the ages of 18 to 24 is when one is most likely to indulge in criminal behaviour. 
So using this as a point of reference, if we're to consider that this is the age in which black boys are being sentenced at, we can see that being locked up at a point in one's life where they'd otherwise be realising the economic potential in the marketplace and laying the foundation to expand upon that potential is going to restrict them economically in the years ahead. Let's not fail to mention the family they'd be leaving behind and the likely loss of a breadwinner to where the mother has to now oscillate between her role as a mother and the role left by the vacant father. The compounding effects of this are devastating. When discrimination at this scale is applied to not just specific race groups, but within specific generations in race groups. Why? Because you're not able to sabotage the generations which follow. You see, prisons are an interesting phenomenon, especially when you consider two things. The first thing is that as a prisoner, you relinquish all your civil liberties, which in other words, constitutes you as a slave. And the second interesting thing is that prisons are traded on the Wall Street Stock Exchange. Why is this? Well, private prisons get government subsidies every time a felon comes through their gate, which means they have an economic investment in crime, which is why these entities lobby government in order for them to provide harsher sentences on crime. So what has politics got to do with it? Everything. Because these very prisoners, who, who in reality should be the pillars of our community, instead of accumulating wealth, are instead sanctioned to work in conditions akin to sweatshops, where they work for Fortune 500 companies like Apple and Microsoft for pennies on the dollar. The school-to-prison pipeline is a real thing, mainly because outside entities have a vested interest in our degradation, and ensuring our youth and young adults are in a constant state of arrested development can guarantee that the economic disparity between our race and others continues to grow further apart. This, despite popular belief, pigs are naturally clean animals. They're part of the hippopotamus family, and similar to them, in their ideal environment, will prefer to be surrounded by water. But instead, what do we see? We see pigs placed in pens, which is filled with filth and squalor, and we wonder why they're always dirty. Like this, if you alienate a specific group from engaging with society legitimately, and then fill the environment with drugs and ammunition, what do you expect the end result to be? I know some of you are scratching your heads thinking, how the hell did we jump from experiences in the workplace to the prison industrial complex? Well, because it's all the same thing. It's all operating within a system geared towards our dismemberment as a people. But does it stop there? No way. 17, and I worked at a boutique store in London, which was owned by this Lebanese man. He was a nice guy, at least to me. And every summer, his nephews would come down from Lebanon on holiday, but also to get some pocket money working for their uncle's store. Out of the two nephews, there was one in which I really liked, and there was another one in which I couldn't stand, and we'd always end up having a war of words. One day, we were going at it, and he said something which still pinches me to this day. He said, we go into your country with all the money, buy up all the land, and take all the women. Just in case you're wondering why it still pinches me, it's because that's the one time I regret not punching someone in the face. But again, as young as I was, my livelihood was still dependent on the wage they gave me. Do you see the trend here? Well, fast forward almost 10 years, and I stepped foot onto the motherland for the first time. Nigeria to be exact. For my good friend's wedding. And what I came to see confirmed everything the owner's nephew had to say.
There was a heavy Arab influence in everything business related in Nigeria. They owned strip clubs, motorways, you name it. They were allowed to participate in an economy which would never run the other way around. And this bothered me. Africa is our mother nation. But to see the exploitation which still exists made me realise that this very much sets the tone for our treatment across the diaspora. How does this tie into our economics? Well, everything. Africa is the breadbasket of the world. Whoever owns it, owns the world. Why? Because the African continent is the chief supplier of natural resources to the world. Oil, bauxite, diamonds, gold, coal, etc. Which is why we're prevented from competing on the world stage. Because we're the prize and explains the added necessity at keeping us down more so than anyone else. And what happens is, is that the wealth is sucked from our lands and redistributed back to theirs, which in turn counts to the ever-growing wealth disparity between us and other race groups. The environment we find ourselves in, which makes it even more important for us to pool our resources together to grow businesses which provides the basis for an economy we can rely on. We need to widen the expectations of our children so they know they can aspire to be in positions which they deem exclusive only to their white counterparts, instead of them being pushed into the avenues of music and sports where whites can't compete but still build systems around them to leech off their energy further. I'm sorry to say, but this is a war and the only way we can safeguard ourselves is by acting and doing what is necessary for our self-preservation. I'm going to wrap it up there um, for this episode. Um, again, I'd like to thank you for tuning in um, and um, and just want to thank you for your general support. Um, it really means a lot to me. Um, as always, if you haven't done so already, make sure you dig in to the description where you'll find um, a free ebook which reveals um, 40 plus ways in which you can start making passive income now. Um, as you know, this podcast is all about economic advancement, financial advancement. And even though that is for our community as a whole, we can only achieve that if we can, if we're able to do that for ourselves. So, um, so make sure you get your hands on that. It's very important. Um, also, uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram at bmore.co. So that's B-M-O-O-R dot co. Um, and yeah, so that's it from me. And um, I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Peace.